John chapter 12, verses 23 to 33. Shall we read together? And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will I my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this hour, this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven, saying, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, An angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Last verse. This he said, signifying what death he should die. God bless the reading of his precious word. Let us pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing these students and working adults through the week. And Father, we pray that as we gather to study your word in your house, you would richly bless with your presence. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. Lord, we ask once again for fresh cleansing in the blood of Christ. You know wherein we have sinned against you. Our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, Lord, you know. Show to us that we may confess and even now bear repentance and the desire to bear the fruits of repentance. Lord, we pray that you would remove all tiredness, every distraction, that we may be immersed in your holy word and may your word transform our lives. Give to us not just knowledge, strong foundation, give to us also the obedient heart. Lord, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A very quick recap. This is where we stopped in this passage the previous time. Here is the Lord's final hours on earth. This would be the, towards the end, very end, tail end of his ministry. And at this point, remember there were um, these Gentiles that came to look for him, asking for uh, an audience. And then here is where Philip um, and Andrew, they weren't sure what to do. You know, should we bring these Gentiles to Christ? Um, Christ came only for the Jews, they thought. And it is at this time that the Lord would say that he remind them the hour is come, verse 23, that the Son of Man should be glorified. He said, this is the hour, that particular hour where I will be glorified. And at this point, he wanted the disciples to remember one thing. And this is something that we all must truly take to heart. Look at verse 30, 24. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when the Lord says, Verily, verily, he's trying to say, Now pay attention. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now these are close to the parting words of the Master to his disciples. He wanted them 
to be very clear about one thing. After he leaves this earth, they will be alone, physically. But he promised them the comfort of the Holy Spirit and guidance of the Holy Spirit. But there's one thing that he wanted them to really realize about their walk from there on. He said, unless, unless a corn of wheat, and he said there's no other way except, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. He's telling the disciples, you must know your life from here on. If you want to follow me, then you must die. I'm going to die soon. You must be willing to die. Christians, I wonder what is your thoughts about your Christian walk in life. Are you thinking that life after being a Christian is going to be wonderful, full of enjoyment, um, endless blessings of riches and health, and I'm just going to have a blessed time on earth? The Lord tells His disciples otherwise. We must condition ourselves to know that unless we are willing to die, we will abide alone. Abide alone, what does it mean? It's not going to be useful at all. So the Lord says, you are my disciples. Do you want to be just abiding alone, useless to me, or you want to bring forth much fruit? If you want, die to self. Die to self. What does it mean, die to self? The Lord wants to remind the disciples that from here on, their ambitions, what they have been used to in their previous life, what they desire in their heart for their own life, the Lord say, now onwards you have to put it aside, erase it and say, I no longer desire those things and when they well up, I will say to those things and to my old self, I am dead. Don't talk to me about these things anymore. What happens to a dead person? You keep shouting into his ears, he can't hear, he don't respond. And say, unless we are like that, where our old man, where Satan comes, where the world comes and shout and tempt us, you don't see, you don't hear, you don't respond to it anymore. Die. Are you willing to? I say this, I want to recap this in particular because, young person, um, you may have a tender heart for the Lord now. But be sure that by the time you finish school, or even when you're going to apply for university, many things will well up in you. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to accomplish this. I want to accomplish that. Or just before you come out to work and when you start working, the world is going to tempt you with many things. And then you must remember the Lord's word, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. You will be just abiding alone. I hope that this recap will cause us to really realize what the Christian walk about is about. That's why he continues to say in verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now he is saying that for the Christian, if, if you say, yes, I am a Christian, Christ is my master, he is my Lord, I will serve him, then he says, you must follow me. Follow where? Christ is going to very soon tell them he is going to the cross to die. Are you willing to follow in his footsteps? To die to self. Christ is God. Christ need not die. Christ need not come to this earth. But he did to do the Father's will. So would you be so also? I will follow in Christ's footsteps. 
even if what God wants me to be or to do in this life is going to be difficult and for Christ in his life it was a very difficult life and a very terrible death if that is my father's will then I will like Christ follow him I will follow will you I always wonder in five years time some of you may graduate to next door uh, I also wonder if every one of you will still be here in church will you still be following the Lord hard after the Lord or would you be drawn away by things of the world by ambitions by attractions very soon you say I'll stop taking FEBC courses very soon they say oh, maybe I'll stop attending fellowships then very soon you say maybe I'll stop attending worship I could use those time to make myself um, better in my studies in my career very soon you find we find that you're no longer here are you still will you still be following the Lord the Lord says follow me there will be great honor for those that follow the Lord in the last day um, in the day of judgment all right so please the Lord said all this then after that he says then he tells them I am going to be lifted up look at verse 32 now he says and I and if I be lifted up from the earth will draw all men to myself what is he saying verse 33 tells us this he said signifying what death he should die see the Lord spoke about the Christian dying and he says I myself am going to die to do the Father's will so Christ being lifted up means it's about him being on the cross lifted up on the cross to die in obedience to the Father's will and because of that is there much fruit great fruit great amount of fruit fruitfulness so can you project your life you can project your life and say all right when i am 30 years old i'll make my first million dollars when i'm 40 years old i will live in this kind of environment i will eat this kind of food i will drive this kind of car and then by 50 years old i will retire and have a good life or would you be like the savior the lord came with a very clear objective at all cost whatever it takes I will do my father's will the world will attract you be sure of that be very sure of that the world will come after you it's not going to let you think it's not going to let you um, off at all you are saved you are safe you will not go to hell but know this Satan will want to make sure that at the end of your life you will be abiding alone useless to God so I just want to recap that that was something that I wanted all of us to really take to heart as we study the book of John especially towards here where the Lord tells us to follow in his footsteps project your life to be this at the end of my life it does not matter what I have what is printed on my name card what office I work in, what I'll be doing, it does not matter. It only matters if I have died to my ambitions and I have followed after the Lord. That is all that matters. You'll be surprised when you get to heaven, the fruits that the Lord will have used you to produce. You may not even know. You may not even know. But the Lord guarantees if you live such a life, you will bear much fruit. Is it worth it? Definitely.
Alright, so I just want to recap that. Now we move on to this week's lesson. Now, verse 34 to 36. Can we read verse 34 to 36 together? Reading, The people answered him, We have heard of the, the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Last verse, while ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and hid himself from them. Now, here is the Lord having told them about how they should live and how he would be dying. In other words, he said, I'm going to be lifted up. They would already know that they're talking about, oh, Christ may be on the cross. He'll be lifted up. That's, that's one way the people die. They're being lifted up. Everyone can see the person being crucified on the cross. So now here, there are those that would say, the people answered, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. So they tell Christ, now Christ, you keep saying, now Jesus, you keep saying you are the Christ. All right? You are the Messiah. But Jesus, we know from the law, the Old Testament, that Christ abideth forever. Now they say from the law, from the Old Testament that we have known, the Christ that will come or the Christ should last forever. He would not die. He would be everlasting. But you just said that you are going to die. Then how can you be the Christ? How can you be the Christ? That's what they're saying. That's why I say, verse 34, second part, And how, says thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? How can you say that the Son of Man will be crucified? Who is this Son of Man? Right, verse 35. Now then they say, Then Jesus said, Yet a little while as the light is with you, walk while ye have light. Lest darkness come upon you, for, that, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Now, so what I ask you in question 1, what doubt did the people show in verse 34? And what, what did Jesus answer them? What is the cure for doubt? Now, what is their doubt? Their doubt is this. Is their doubt genuine? I ask you first. Now, their doubt, they quote, Scriptures, they quoted the Old Testament and said, Well, Scriptures said this. And what you say contradicts Scriptures that we know and therefore you cannot be the Christ. That is their doubt. Okay, that is their doubt. Now, thus, maybe I ask you, do you think they are fully genuine in their doubt? means they're sincere. We sincerely don't know Christ. We sincerely don't know that since scriptures say that the Christ will live forever, then how come you say that you're the Christ? Are they sincerely wanting an answer or not? What do you think? Ray, what do you think? No, why? They quote the scriptures, right? Hmm. Does it mean when a person quotes scriptures, he is sincere and he is really um, wanting to uh, believe in what is true or do what is true. This is one passage that shows that. It doesn't mean that. Right? Why do you say they would likely not be sincere? Because um, you can see the way they phrased their words. They mm. didn't ask Jesus to 
show them why what they voted was wrong, but they instead of saying that they just said that he is in Christ and they quoted it. Mm, they quote scriptures just to prove that he is in Christ. Alright, now these people they could quote scriptures. They knew Old Testament. Now, let me ask you. There are prophecies in the Old Testament and there are statements in the Old Testament that says um, the Christ has an everlasting throne, He's the everlasting God, and so on, right? That's true. But are there passages in scriptures that tell us that Christ will die? Are there passages that talk about Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, um, coming to die, to bear the transgressions, to be pierced, for them, are there scriptures that say that in the Old Testament? Many, right? Many prophecies of, in fact, probably more prophecies than, than what they stated, that Christ is everlasting. So now, these people, they know scriptures, but they want to quote one part of scriptures just to prove that, oh, you are not the Christ. That's all. Alright? So, don't always think that people who quote scriptures, or be, even be ourselves, sometimes... We want to sin. We want to disobey God. We want to have our way. And then we only think of scriptures and quote scriptures that support what we want to think and what we want to do. We can be like that. The heart is very deceptive. These people were exactly like that. Sometimes you counsel people and they say, but, 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 a lot of buts. And then you show them, but other parts of scriptures also say this. But they will ignore those. Right? These were people like that. So you're right, the way they phrase it, they simply stated it and then they say, you're, you're not Christ. They were not truly wanting the Lord to show them. Okay, that's why the Lord saw through their heart. Alright, so what is the cure for doubt then? What is the cure for doubt? The Lord says in verse 35, Then, after they said that, then, verse 35, Jesus answered them, Yet a little while is the light with you. What is Jesus saying? Verse 36, While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of light. The Lord is saying this. What is the cure? What is cure for doubt? Cure for doubt is to believe. You look at verse 36. Believe in the light. Believe in the light. That is the cure for doubt. Cure for doubt. Now, do you remember right in the beginning of John chapter 1? Listen to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Right in the beginning, we are told the description of Christ. Okay, verse 4. John chapter 1, verse 4. Now it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Alright, and then it's very clear in verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of that light so john was bearing witness of christ christ the light when christ said believe in the light he's saying this believe in me christ say believe in me later on i'm going to ask you one question further down is it possible to believe in god without believing in christ okay i'm going to ask you that now here my friends the cure for doubt do you ever doubt scriptures do you ever doubt your faith? Do you ever doubt what God says? The simple answer to cure for doubt is whatever the Lord Jesus says, 
And where do we, how do we know what the Lord Jesus has said? Scriptures. Whatever the Lord Jesus says in Scriptures, we have to believe. Simple as that. You say, of course we believe. There are many Christians who continue to disbelieve God's Word. It's very sad. And remember we just covered the topic on um, uh, theistic evolution. Okay, we just did that. There are today many Christians who do not believe that God created the world in seven literal in six literal days and they would rather choose to believe in evolution. Um, God created through evolution, man evolved. When we read Genesis account, it's very clear. God created Adam from dust. Adam Eve was created from Adam's rib and he made her for Adam. Alright? It's clear as daylight. God said this how? God gave the specifics about his creation. Even he did not just or oh, it's an allegory. No, God said, I made Adam sleep even. I did all these things. But yet people would not believe would not believe and uh, do these people exist today yes do the people exist where they say the lord say something he said yeah, this part of scriptures i quote and I, I believe but that part i don't believe i ignore it okay so there are people who are like that so what is the cure for that my friends if you ever think maybe evolution is true maybe um, um, we really came from monkeys when that happens, simply remind yourself, I must simply believe whatever the Lord says. He stated that, I just believe by faith. That's it. So here are the people like that. And then now we move. So the Lord says, um, verse 36, while you have like belief in the light, my friends, belief. The Lord keep telling them, believe in what I say. There are Christians today who still would not fully believe in what God's word say. God, God says that, um, my word, none of it will be lost. I preserve it. I keep it for you. But there are Christians who say, oh, many words are lost already. That's why you have Bibles with footnotes that say, oh, these verses, uh, we are not sure whether they are really God's word or not. Oh, this whole passage should be gone. They, they don't belong to God's word. This, this we are not sure if this verse um, um, really existed. They don't believe. But Lord, say simply believe in the light. Believe in the light. But notice interestingly, in verse 36, after he said that, verse 36, these things spake Jesus and he de departed and hid himself from them. <laughs> Interesting, I eh? say, I'm the light, I'm the light, I'm the light, believe in the light, believe in the light. Then after that, the Lord went to hide himself, as if to hide the light. Why do you think so? Do you think they needed Christ's physical presence? Well, in the first place, his physical presence alone, did it do any good? No matter what he teach, no matter what he did, they did not believe. The Lord went to hide himself. Now do you think when the Lord hide himself, the people are in trouble? When he hid himself physically? No. The Lord is trying to say this. I have already given you the truth. I've spoken the truth to you. I've given you the light already. Believe in that light. My physical presence is going to be gone with you soon. I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and I'm going to physically, physically resurrect, physically I'm going to the Father. My presence will be gone, and at that time, it's still the same. What I've told you now, you believe. You keep it in your heart. You do not doubt 
whatever the world tells you. You go to school, I'm sure there are more and more people that are, or more and more programs that are trying to reprogram you, change your thinking. I just received an email from someone in church and he described the SAFE program, right? Um, are you in the SAFE program? S-A-F-E, SAFE program. No? Um, it is safety from... So they want to make schools safe for students, okay? To make schools safe for students. None of you have heard of the program. Oh, the government has spent um, millions of dollars on this program to make school safe, all right? How to be safe is to make school an environment where there's no bullying. Are you bullied in school? Do you get bullied in school? All right, so there's a lot of bullying going on in school. So the government in Australia say we must spend some money to make school environment safe. And all this money are spent to do what? To encourage people to accept homosexuality, to, ex to help people to promote um, lessons, programs, activities um, that um, promote cross-dressing, means boy dress like girl, girl dress like boy, to go to school. And to promote safety, they say this, if, rather they say this, it's safe now because now no one can criticize anyone who is, who wants to be, or criticize any boy who wants to be a girl, criticize any girl who wants to be a boy. Criticize anyone who believes that um, um, it's okay to marry the same sex. So now schools are very safe. No one will criticize you. But the problem is this. Those that choose to believe otherwise, it's not safe. <laughs> they are bullied. They are terrorized to the point where they dare not go to school. All right? So know that this is the environment we live in today. The Lord has made it very clear. Homosexuality is sin. The world is going to try and change you. You have to be clear in your heart. The Lord has said that. I believe that. But sadly, there are Christians now today that join that group and they are very aggressive. They will attack churches. They will attack Christians that say um, homosexuality is sin. Please be clear. We are not here to condemn homosexuals to hell. Homosexuality is a sin. That sin alone, like any other sin, like theft, like adultery, like fornication, it's just like any other sin that condemns people to hell. We talk about it because we do not want people to go to hell. That's why we talk about it. Not because we are judging them or anything. Alright, so please remember that. So the world will give you all sorts of new thinking. Would you just simply say, I simply believe in the light. Christ has said these things in scriptures, I believe. That's it. What's the statement we always say? Christ has said it. And then what? I believe it. That settles it. No, right? Christ has said it. Whether I believe it or not, it does not matter. That settles it. <laughs> Christ has said it. That settles it. Right? Maybe young person, you struggle with your Christian walk. You think that maybe I don't need to live a holy life. There are, there are many that say, no, go enjoy the world. Go live in sin. Now, I'm not saying you cannot enjoy the world. God created the world for you to enjoy. Do you enjoy going for walks? Do you enjoy looking at beautiful creation of God? God, we, God created many wonderful things for us to enjoy. But I say, no, I want to enjoy drugs. I want to enjoy discos. I want to enjoy gambling. I want to enjoy drinking. I want to enjoy um, fornication. Live like these other teens. 
No. The Lord says that live as children of light. These are not things that are for us. They say, oh, but that Christian walk. My friend, my Christian friend told me that I don't need to live this kind of life. Or would you simply believe the light? The light simply tells you, be holy for I am holy. The, Lord, the light have said that, Christ have said that, I must be holy. That is the Christian life for me. I die to self. That is the Christian life for me. Alright, so now, so there are Christians who are, there are people who are like that, no different for that time, a bit cold. Um, maybe, uh, me too. <laughs> maybe we, um, uh, Iceman, can you make it less cold for us? Yeah, I'm sure Ray is still hot, even though we are freezing. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's okay, so while Rei does that, we continue. <laughs> Alright, I'm sure Rei is listening. Now here, the Lord moves on. So he says, now I've told you the light. And he departed from them. Verse 37, verse 37, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Now was there a miracle just before this, where the people witnessed, something very miraculous and they would not believe him you just look earlier on all right the lord says in verse 28 can you see verse 28 the lord says father glorify thy name then came a voice from heaven saying i have both glorified it and will glorify it again and they heard the voice the people therefore verse 29 stood by heard it said that it thundered others said an angel spake to him now these people just heard god's voice from heaven what will happen to you if you hear God's voice from heaven? God speaks to us now, thundering voice. You know, they just heard it. But even when they heard it, some say, "Oh no, thunder, 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 thunder." That's all. And some say, "No, no, an angel, an angel." And he and the Lord here in verse thirty-seven said, "God tells us He has done so many miracles. We've covered many of His miracles up to chapter twelve. So did so many miracles before their face." Yet they believed not in him. We've covered this also in the book of John. It's one place where we often see the Lord performing miracles. Now let me ask you. We've said this many times before. This, the book of John often proves that the third wave of charismatic movement is not true. Right? What's the third wave of charismatic movement? The third wave of charismatic movement emphasizes power evangelism. All right, that's what it is today. It's not so much about tongue speaking anymore. The third wave is about power evangelism. What is power evangelism? It is displaying miracles, power. And through miracles, we evangelize. Then people see the power of God, they will believe. Okay, that's called the power evangelism. But here, the Lord himself has proven to us that despite so many... Now, these are not miracles. These are real miracles. These are raising people from the dead. So many but yet they will not believe him. Power evangelism is not the way to evangelize. Now, why, did that, why then the Lord did, did all these things? The Lord did all these things, well, number one, to prove that he is God, right? Now, we don't need to prove, we can't prove that we are God. We can't do miracles. But the other thing is this. Now, these miracles are going to seal their lips one day that they would not be able to say but but we 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 didn't know that you're god but god says i perform miracles 
right? And you still won't believe. You get the point? Miracles does not save. But the Lord did perform miracles to prove that He's God and eventually that is going to condemn them. How do you know that? Because immediately after this, He said this, verse 37, But though He had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on Him. Verse 38. Let's read verse 38 together. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which spake, Lord, who hath believed on our report, and to whom had the arm of the Lord be revealed. Verse, verse 40 also. He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. They should, they should not see their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, that I should heal them. So, do you understand? After Bible tells us that he performed so many miracles, they would not believe, then this is quoted, the book of Isaiah, saying that with all these miracles, they would not believe, and they are condemned. So if you want to perform miracles today, it's actually to condemn people. <laughs> because they are not going to believe. Right? We believe, why? Because we are elect. Right? Because the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would help us to believe. Not because of the miracles. So here, immediately say they perform so, miracles, so many miracles, verse 38, that the saying of Elias might be fulfilled. These miracles were to confirm the prophecy of Isaiah. What is the prophecy that they, verse 40, that their hearts will be hardened, that their eyes will not see? So now here is a difficult passage. Alright, I just wrote that question number two. Explain verse 40. Verse 40 says, He that is God, God hath blinded their eyes, God hath hardened their heart, that they should not see that their eyes uh, with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Now, this is a difficult passage. What do you think this hardening is? Well, I ask you there, what is judicial hardening? Okay, how does this confirm the behavior of the people? So, who wants to try? Who wants to try? What does this mean? Because they're quoting Isaiah. They're quoting Isaiah. You turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. So I hope after this lesson, you'll be very clear in your mind how to explain what the Lord is saying here. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Okay, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Okay. So now, this is an this is exact quotation. All right, maybe, um, shall we read together? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And he said, Go and tell these people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of these people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Alright, so he's quoting this. So, it just happened. They saw all these miracles. They heard the voice of God and they still won't believe. And then immediately at this point, um, it is quoted to us, this passage of Isaiah. Is this God hardening man's heart? Hmm? Um, Jesslyn, what do you think? Did you do Kelvin? Oh, you didn't do Kelvin. Alright, so you try anyway. <laughs> Alright, 
So now, what do you think this is? Is this saying that God purposely hardened their hearts so that, oh, they would have believed, but God said, no, 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 don't let them believe. Let me blind their eyes. Let me harden their hearts so that they cannot understand. And then, but if they understood, then I need to heal them. Oh, no. Does it sound like that? Sounds a bit like that, right? When you read it, doesn't it? How to explain this? Um, is God the one who hardens men's heart so that they would not believe? Otherwise, he'll be in trouble. They believe, then he have to save them. What do you think, Hannah? You want to try? Does this passage that trouble you? Puzzles you? Hmm? Okay, so in God's sovereignty, He chooses whom He saves and chooses whom He hardens and even through the salvation and um, the destruction of this, it glorifies Him. Okay, alright, so that's a very profound theological statement. <laughs> the question is in layman's term, how to explain that? What happened in one day? And it's happened to me, right? A young, Christ, a young person, I was preaching the gospel to him and he said, I remember reading... That was when I was 16 years old. I remember reading in the Bible somewhere, your God hardens people so that He don't save them. It's like, this is a very difficult God to believe in. So layman term, how to explain? You know that all those terms we can, we can state, what does it mean? Want to try? Is it because you keep on sinning and sinning hmm. to the point where sometimes you don't want to be holy anymore mm-hmm. and then Okay, so um, is it like, you know, we want to sin, then we keep sinning and sinning and sinning to the point where our hearts, and we don't want to believe, right? We don't want to believe, so we keep sinning and to the point where our heart gets hard, more and more hardened and then we won't believe, right? Okay, very close to, to layman's explanation, all right? For a layman to understand, but still... It's difficult when we read this passage and say, but it sounds like that. What did God mean when He said those words? So that's the question, right? What did God mean when He said this word to Isaiah? What did He mean? The context is, 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 is clear. The context is clear. So, um, Brenda is correct. The context is about men keep wanting to sin. right? Men keep wanting to sin. Men wanting to choose to sin. Okay, so, now this is very difficult because we read this passage and we read Isaiah also, right? Both passages sound like God say, go make their hearts fat, harden their hearts. Lest they hear and then I should convert them. Lest they be converted and I should heal them, right? It sounds like God is not willing to. Okay, so, this is difficult. Um, maybe I ask you, some, can you think of Bible verses that prove to us that this cannot be the case where God says, I want to harden your heart. I want you to go to hell. And I really have to do everything to make sure you don't go to heaven and you don't believe in me. It sounds like that. But can you think of any Bible passages that prove that, no, this is not God's character. Remember how to read the Bible? Immediate context. Then after that, think of theology. All right? Think of the whole Bible. Otherwise, we can go wrong, very wrong. Can you think of any passages, any, any verses in the Bible that 
that says, no, 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 it cannot be, although it sounds like that, but it cannot be that God wants people to go to hell. No, the clue is so direct already. Yes? Second Peter 3.9. Ah, very good. Second Peter 3.9. Let's turn to Second Peter 3.9. Is it because you have a study Bible? No. <laughs> ah, very good then. Second Peter 3.9. Okay, what does it say? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Okay, um, read for us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? So, first of all, the Bible reveals to us God is not willing that any should perish. So, although we read and it sounds like, oh, they be converted and I should heal them, although it sounds like God seems like not willing, no, it's not true. Scriptures tell us God is not willing that any should perish, right? Now, does God take pleasure in the death of the wicked? Ezekiel 18.23 Alright, Ezekiel 18.23 Can um, Joshua read for us? Ezekiel 18.23 any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God. Mm -hmm. And not that he should return from his ways and live. Right? So, Scripture is very clear in Old and New Testament. Because, yeah, do I have pleasure in people, in the wicked dying? It's not my desire for them to, to turn away from wickedness and turn towards me. Right? So, we know that in Scriptures, that is the character of God. Correct? Hmm? So now the question is, how still do you explain this? Because this is a verse that when you go to some websites that's, that are out to prove that, Christ, that the Christian God is a wicked God, they like to quote this verse, these verses. So now you have to be able to defend your God. We know that God is not like that. And so you can prove all those things. But they say, but I still have to tell you, this is what your God said. So now the question is this, right? What did God mean when he said these things? How do we know what God mean when he said these things? Who is the best person to explain it to us? The Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit gave us the word of God. Now, the Holy Spirit will explain this verse to us in another way, in another passage. Now, if you can get the Holy Spirit's commentary of this verse, phrase to tell us what God meant. That will solve the problem, right? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So now you turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Now here is the same passage being quoted and the Holy Spirit gives us another phrasing of what God meant when he said those words. Can we read verse 14? to 15 together oh sorry 13 to 15 together Matthew 13 13 to 15 together alright so let's read together therefore spake I to them in parables because they see not and hearing hear not neither do they understand and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah we saith by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For these people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have their closed, 
lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Look, this is the same quotation. Who is, who is Isaiah? Who is Isaiah? Um, Ray. Who is Isaiah? Which book? Isaiah. Have you heard of him? Isaiah. Is he the same person? Wait, wait. <laughs> I don't know. It's the same person, alright? Because we just quoted this from Isaiah. So you notice as you read the New Testament, some spellings are different. Alright? But it's Isaiah, alright? So don't worry. It's Isaiah, okay? But that's a good answer. If you're not sure, say you're not sure. Alright? So it is Isaiah. Now he's quoting the exact same Isaiah verse. But now I ask you, when you read this explanation of the Holy Spirit, this version that the Holy Spirit gives us, who hardened the hearts? Shenwei. Who? Mm, right? How do you know that it is men? Because the other verses look like God hardened their hearts, right? But here, when you read, who is the one who hardened their hearts? Look at verse 14. Now, verse 14 says, um, You see, they say, For these people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Who closed their eyes? They have closed. Just like what Brenda said earlier on. They want to sin. So they close their eyes. Even scriptures are shown to them, they don't want to see it. Remember earlier on, I was emphasizing to you, they knew that Christ was not only everlasting, Christ will also die. But they close their eyes to that part. Okay? They want a different Christ. They are dull of hearing, their eyes, they, are, have, they have day closed. Their eyes have day closed. They themselves did it. They purposely don't want to. Lest any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart. They don't want to understand. They don't want the truth. Full stop. Now, remember we studied earlier on. When... Lazarus was resurrected. What did the chief priests and the leader say? We must do what to Lazarus? We must kill him. Why did they say they must kill him? If we don't, then they are going to believe in Jesus. So this is what God is saying. They know the truth. They've seen the miracles. They know this is God. But they say we cannot let people know. They harden their own hearts. They purposely do not want to believe. Okay? And remember when, when the chief priest stood up and said, Now, this we have a problem. We have a problem. Jesus has resurrected. What's the problem? Now, the whole world will believe that he's God. So they know, you know, they know that Jesus is God. But they don't want to believe. So they have hardened. And then they say they close that they should understand and should be converted. They don't want to be converted. And I should heal them. They don't want God to heal them. They just want. Why did they say they don't want people to know that Jesus is God? They say the moment they know He is the true God, what will happen to their position in Israel? They will lose their religious power. They don't want. They don't want. Now this is very frightening. Huh? Like Brenda said, sometimes, now these sinners are like that. They sin and sin and sin and they just, we want homosexuality. We want evolution because we do not want people to believe that there's an existence of a God. Evolution means there's no God, right? Things just evolved. We just want that. 
I believe, as you read scriptures, I believe that one day, even those people that end up in hell, when they meet Christ, they are still going to shake their fists at Christ and say, we don't want you. We reject you. We hate you. You know, there are pop singers that write in their diaries that say, even if Christ is God, I hate him. I spit on him. I despise him. And even if I need to go to hell for that, I would rather go to hell. There are people like that. They write things like that. They're horrible, frightening. Do you know that? Do you know the singer um, John Lennon? John Lennon. Um, I was reading an autobiography of um, his manager, his uh, the person who runs his um, business, and he says the manager says he has never met another human being that is so blasphemous um, and hates Christ like this man. They're human beings like that. So you think God hardened heart? There are those that who truly do not want to believe. So please, so remember, so Jesslyn, can you explain now? When you read that verse, they say, oh, your God is like that. Then you show them Matthew 13. They say, this is the meaning of what God, or rather what God meant when he said these words. Okay? Alright? This is what God meant. God meant that they harden themselves. They don't want to believe. They close their own eyes. They don't want to be converted. They don't want me to save them. Alright? They just don't want God. That's it. Alright, so now, what is judicial hardening then? I ask you question number two. What is judicial hardening? Judicial means the judge will judge them. Okay? Now, so does God harden someone? Because here, that to some extent, God was hardening them. Okay? So now we try again. Alright? Um, what if I say, and God said, I hardened Moses' heart. Hey, Moses. I hadn't Pharaoh's heart. I hadn't Pharaoh's heart, right? Okay. Now, what does it mean when I hadn't Pharaoh's heart? Because we have to be very clear of this once and for all. Did God harden Pharaoh's heart? He did so. I hadn't Pharaoh's heart. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Uh, Jaslyn, try again. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Because we talk about all the contexts already, right? People keep wanting to sin. They will keep sinning, and God will keep giving the miracles, right? Here God says, and He did so many miracles. Just like Pharaoh's day, God did tremendous miracles. And then God said, I hardened Pharaoh's heart. In what sense did God harden Pharaoh's heart? He sent more miracles, yeah. again and again, and still wouldn't, right? Slowly his heart becomes harder and harder, right? Now, what does it mean? What does it mean that God hardened his heart this way? Mm, no, it's about his heart becoming more and more hard, actually. Mm. But most in Pharaoh's case, this he believed that this is God. 
this is the real God because his magicians could not keep up anymore. They tried some miracles after that, oh, they give up. They couldn't perform those miracles anymore. So, you know, this is the real God. You say, I go and serve your God. Alright. Yimei, right? Yimei. what do you think when God say, I harden his heart? He gave him many miracles. Like here, Christ gave them many, so many miracles, he said. And then say, then immediately he quote, their heart became more and more hard. Not sure. I heard you whispering. What do you think it means? Uh, I said because Pharaoh already knew that he was that God was real, mm-hmm. and then he already saw the miracles. Mm-hmm. First time he didn't believe, mm-hmm. and God knowing that he won't believe, he mm-hmm. said even more miracles. Mm-hmm. Even and more so, tremendously miraculous, miraculous miracles. Yeah. yeah. And so even though he kept seeing them, mm. it like. Pushed him, he pushed himself even harder not to believe. Yes, yes, exactly that. So you see, when God hardens someone, when God shows you even clearer truth. So imagine this. Uh, I'm not really sure if God is real. All right. Then God show you a miracle. And say, wow. And say, hmm, I want to. I, I want another miracle. Then God show you extremely incredible miracle. Then for them, to the point where God raised a dead human being. Wait for three days. I'm not going to raise him yet. I'm going to wait for three days till he's thing and he's rotten. Then I go raise him. Then even with that, they say, let's kill him. Has their heart become hardened? Has God hardened their heart? Yes. Now, their heart, the more God does to show them, the more God does, the more their heart is hardened. So in a sense, God says, I'm hardening your heart. You know, the more I show you, the more you don't believe, it means your heart has become harder and harder and harder. Alright? So when the Bible said God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that is what he meant. God never goes in because of what we read, Ezekiel, 2 Peter, God said, I'm not willing that any should perish. I take no delight even in the death of the most wicked person. But God said, I I harden his heart in a sense. God said, you know, you realize this, the more miracles I give them, and the more they don't believe, the more hard their heart will become. So has God done something to harden their heart? God done something good to try and win them, but yet they become more hardened. Alright, are you very clear about this theology now? Alright, God is not a wicked God who goes in to harden man's heart. Okay, so now, now Christian, there is also something that we must be afraid of ourselves. Now that happens to an unbeliever, in a sense, we also must take, care, take heed. If God keeps showing us not to sin a certain sin and we keep doing it, sometimes God will allow our heart to become more and more insensitive until one day He will have to deal with us very severely and then to wake us up. Which would you prefer? Stop sinning now or till God deal with you? Hmm? Which, which one? Which one? If you're always cheating in school, one day God will expose you. If you're always stealing things, God will give you one chance, two chances, three chances, keep trying to get you to stop, one day He will expose you. Hmm? So our hearts become more and more insensitive each time. So don't be like that. All right? Respond to the Lord tenderly, quickly, repent immediately. What's the best thing? Every time you sin, repent immediately. Stop doing it. Okay, now we move to question number three. 
explain double predestination. Hey, by the way, so is it very clear now about judicial hard about judicial hardening? Okay, so be very clear. Our God is not the God that goes in and hardens people's hearts so that they don't believe. The Holy Spirit explained this passage in Matthew chapter what? 13. 13. All right. So be clear. This is the same quotation. Now the next thing is this. Now explain double predestination. Now this is where um, where Hannah made that statement. God sovereignly chose who to save. And now what do you say after that? And who will be condemned to destruction. Okay, so now that statement has to be understood very carefully. Alright? Now, what is double predestination? Anyone heard of it? I know Joshua has. We had that discussion. Um, Kenny, have you heard of double predestination? No, Vincent? Double predestination? Now, what is predestination? What's predestination? Predestination means before anything happened, your, your destiny or your, your end was already uh, Defined, determined. determined by God sovereignly. Alright, that's predestination. Alright, Ken? Alright, so who will be saved is predestined. Okay, now, um, what is double predestination? This word is interpreted, these words are interpreted differently by different groups. We must understand the correct meaning. Double predestination is maybe I'll just do you, which statement is true? God elected or chosen. God chose and elected. Who will be saved? And left and God chose air. God chose and elected who will be saved and chose who will go to hell. That's A. B. Alright, B. God chose and elected who will be saved. Full stop. <laughs> you think it's B. Alright. In other words, then we're saying God did not choose who will go to hell. Right? So double predestination. It's wrong when people understand it like that. God chose, God predestined who will go to heaven, and God also predestined particular ones to go to hell. Some people say there's double predestination. God predestined who will go to heaven, God also predestined who will go to hell. God chose. Alright, so God chose Mr. X to go to heaven, God chose Mr. Y to go to hell. Okay, one thinking of double predestination is that, is that way. Now, in scriptures when you read, did God say that He chose who will go to hell? Or did God say He, he chose who will save and then the rest He simply did not choose? There's a difference. Let me ask you, um, whole mankind after the fall, where is whole mankind heading? Every single human, where are they heading to? Lime. To hell, right? Because, why? Because we are born sinners. So, in other words, by default, where are we all going? To hell. Now, so by default, all going to hell. So, God intervened and chose to save some from going to hell. Now, what happened to the rest? By default, they're going to hell. Did God choose them to go to hell? No. Because by default, all going. It's a bit like you're going to school outing. Right? You're going to school outing, God say, uh, your teacher say, uh, all are going to this outing. Alright? Then God say, eh, God. 
your teacher said, uh, I chose Limei to um, go to this, to go up this building. All right? During the outing. Did your teacher choose the rest not to go up this building? No. She just chose you to go up to this building. The rest remained the same. Alright? So, understand, election, predestination is God choosing. All are crashing into hell. Then God intervened and saved some. Alright? So, what? when is double predestination understood correctly? It is understood correctly when we say, who will go to that men that some will go to heaven and the rest will go to hell is in God's decree. Both. In other words, God did not decree that all will go to heaven. God did not decree all will go to heaven. God decreed that some will go to heaven. God decreed that some will go to hell. But when God decrees some to go to hell, he simply by default letting them go to hell. He did not intervene to choose them. Okay? Um, Brenda, clear? Alright. Now, why is this important? Because if we don't understand this correctly, we will, we will, have, we will make God the um, author of sin and God the author of who goes to hell. We go to hell simply because of our own sin, not because God wants us to go to hell. That's why He is not willing that any should perish. Okay, he's not willing that any should perish. Right, so understand this doctrine very clearly. Lime, are you afraid that you're not an elect? Why? Mm -hmm, yep, because if you believe in Jesus, you can be saved. Now, if you worry that you're not an elect, you don't have to worry. <laughs> because the non-elect's behavior is... I don't want to believe in God. I hate God. I despise God. There's no such thing as God. Alright? Because some people say, hey, the doctrine of election is, is very terrible. You know, then it's, it's a very confusing to people. What, you, what if people feel that, oh no, whole night they can't sleep and they toss and turn and then they say, oh no, oh no, what happened if I'm not an elect? The non-elect would not behave like that. Okay? Understand? So there's nothing wrong with the doctrine of election. It's clear as broad daylight. God keeps talking about election in His scriptures. But we always remind ourselves, Lime, should, should, are you an elect? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus? Do you believe that only He is the living God and all other gods are false? Do you believe that good works cannot save you? You only rely on the finished work of Christ? Do you believe that and after salvation you want to do good works to please Him, not to be saved? Do you believe all that? Yes. Then God says, Paul wrote very clearly, if you believe this, then you are safe. If you are safe, then you are an elect. Right? Um, so, let me ask you, Limei. Do you feel very proud that you are an elect? Wow, God elect me. Must be something about me. Maybe I'm pretty. Maybe I'm tall. <laughs> so God said, I think I should choose you. Does it make you feel that way? No, right? Instead, what does it make you feel? God, why did you choose me? I'm sinful. I'm disobedient. I'm so naughty. You know, but yet, God, you chose to save me. Does it make you proud? No, right? So the doctrine of election, as contrary to those who are against it, they always say you're proud. 
Oh, the doctor, people who believe in election are very proud people. They think they're so good, so God elected them. No. When we know we are elected, then we realize, God, why did you elect me? I'm so unworthy, right? Okay, and then it makes you more what? More thankful to God, right? More grateful to God. And say, God, I don't want to sin. I want to please you. Alright, so now I, I want to us to be very clear about this understanding. So is it soft once and for all? Clear? The next time you read this or your friends come to you and they will and say, you see, your God is like that. And you explain to them. Maybe I try. I just want to be very sure. Brenda, can you explain? <laughs> yeah, say, oh, your God hardens people's heart and your God closed their eyes, closed their ears and then he cannot understand because he's afraid that he might have to save them. Okay, alright. So now, then you say, so then you first you turn to Matthew chapter 13 and then you show them who hardened the hearts themselves, alright, themselves, not God. Because God here explained to us God, what God meant is the more I show them, the more, like you say, they will harden their own hearts because they want to keep in sin. They themselves, not God. In fact, what God was doing was a good thing. He kept pleading with them. He kept sending miracles. Believe in me. Believe in me. Believe in me. Right? But they continue to harden their hearts. So that's what this passage means. Alright? So clear as daylight, I hope. Okay, so now, oh, okay, let's move very quickly. And this, maybe we do question number four and then we finish. Alright? Question number four. Now we move to the next part. Turn back to John. This has to do with our hearts. <clears throat> um, verse 42. And let's read verse 42 and 43 together. Together, reading 42, 43. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now, here I ask the question. Who were some who were some who sorry, I missed out who did not confess Christ before others? Who were they? What is their position? Ready? They were the chief rulers. They were chief rulers. Alright? Now this was chief rulers. Um, now what drives a person to hide his belief in Christ? What should we learn from this? Hmm. Why do you think Christ wants to say that they were the chief rulers? Um, Elaine? Um, they felt like their position is threatened. Position is threatened. What else? Then they put, what else will happen to them? They'll be rejected and thrown out. Put out of the synagogue. Right? Because of this, they would not publicly confess Christ. So I ask you this question here. What drives a person to hide his belief in Christ? Sometimes it's 
what do you think it is? Face, right? They want their face, their leaders, you know. Face is very important. Position, power. They treasure that. So what should we learn from this? Don't love your face. <laughs> don't shave. Don't wash your face. <laughs> Not that, alright? This face is about our pride. Our pride. Pride is something that will cause you to deny Christ in front of your friends. What about this being about thrown out of the synagogue? What is it about? It's about, I think Elaine used the word acceptance, right? Acceptance. The desire to be accepted among people. Now, when these things are in our heart, there is a tendency for us, like these men, to not confess Christ before men. Okay? So beware of that. In what ways, i ask you the next, in what ways do, you, do, you, do we also deny Christ in school and at work? Do you not deny Christ in school? Brenda, does everybody know that you're a Christian in school? Pretty much. <laughs> they hate you for that, right? What about may? Do your friends know that you're a Christian? Right. How do they know? When they ask, when they tell them, right? right? These people, they don't want to tell them, you know. Are you a Christian? No, they, they just avoid. But sometimes we deny Christ by, by, because we like our friends to accept us. Hey, they're the hip group over there. They're the stylish group. They're the in-girls. What do you call them? I don't know. They're the in-girls. Those are the macho boys. I want to be part of that group. To be identified, oh, if they know I'm a Christian, they're not going to be let, they, they are not going to let me into their group. Or worse, you got converted while you're part of their group. Better don't tell them because they're going to throw me out of the temple. <laughs> All right? It's just temple there. It's holy ground. No one gets there except we. Then we start to, oh, don't tell them, don't tell them. Let's not let them know. Sometimes we're like that because of acceptance. Sometimes pride. You're a Christian. You mean you believe God created out of nothing? You mean you believe that kind of mumbo-jumbo? You believe God created out of nothing? God speaks this? You believe... You don't believe in creation? Yeah, you don't believe in evolution? <laughs> you don't believe in evolution? You mean you don't believe in science? And then they laugh at you. These people were like that. They were afraid of that. They denied Christ. Alright? So, let me ask you why we should not deny Christ. Christ died for you. Christ shed His blood for you. He is God. He owes you and I nothing. How can we be ashamed of him? And young people, I hope you're never ashamed of your parents. Huh? Are you ashamed of your parents? Oh, I don't want mom and dad to come to school. I'm so ashamed of them. Don't be, right? They gave birth to you. They suffered for you. you know, they did everything they can to raise you up. They saved money. They stinge on themselves. You must not ever um, be ashamed of your parents. Right? So, some young people can be. If you're ashamed of parents, I don't know how you can be not ashamed of Christ, whom you don't see. Okay, so now here, that. But I ask you one last question here, right? Now, are these believers? Jesslyn, do you think they're believers? Hmm? Does it sound like they're believers? No. Okay, why? They denied Christ. And because we know in Matthew chapter 10, Christ said, They that deny me, I will what? They that deny me before men, I will 
not confess them before the Father, right? So this must be false believers. But look at the verse carefully. It says this, you know, um, nevertheless, um, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But, so it seems like they were believers. They did believe, right? Except for this problem of they want praise of men. They love the praise of men. Then, they did not show it. They did not show it. Now, it seems to contradict, right? Then Christ said that if you don't believe in me, uh, you don't confess me before men, then I won't confess you before the Father. It means you're not a believer. Now, I'll ask you this question here. Okay, in question number five. Can you think of such a person in, in scriptures where he hide, he hid? Actually, we, we studied in John. He hid. Alright? He will only he hid um, himself. Do you remember? Okay, I'll give you a clue. He wanted to see Jesus only when it's dark. No one knows that Jesus is meeting him. Anyone remember? Can he remember? What's his name? Nicodemus. Nicodemus, right? Now Nicodemus, he believed. And he really wanted to believe in Christ and ask Christ, but meet me at night. I'm a Pharisee. People will make fun of me. You know, I might get thrown out of the synagogues. Now, let me ask you. So, did Nicodemus, in a sense, at that point of time, was afraid to show that he believed in Christ? He did. But let me ask you, uh, Jaslyn, was he like that forever? What happened later? Uh, and he did something. After Jesus' death, he and another person called Joseph, of, uh, he took the body, right? Now then when Jesus died, he openly went to take the body and that, that will openly say, you know, Jesus got crucified, say, ah, you're his follower, you want his body? Right, he did not, he openly confessed in that sense by his action. A true believer will not deny Christ forever, alright? There will come a point, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, no... I cannot deny Christ anymore. Right? He did that. So what kind of faith, Jesslyn, do you think that these people had? They initially... So he was a ruler. He was a chief ruler. So he could be one of those. What kind of faith? Is it false faith or weak faith? Weak faith, right? So at this point, they have weak faith. So sometimes we have weak faith too. Maybe you have denied Christ after you got saved. Right? Maybe you have some way... Um, make sure, try to make your friends not know that you're a Christian because you're ashamed. You want to be part of their group. Maybe because of weak faith, but no longer. All right? After this passage, you learn no longer. I will not be like that anymore. I will not want to have the praise of men. I just want the praise of my Savior. All right, so I think this is where we'll stop. I hope that um, you understand scriptures better. You'll be able to defend your God. And above all, you will not deny Him ever. Always confess Him before men and live for Him, die for Him. Let us pray.